Good evening. Welcome to the NBA Draft Preview special episode of the Let's Talk About Sports podcast. I'd like to welcome back special guest Donovan Jones. Donovan is a two-sport varsity athlete at Seattle Preparatory School, playing both soccer and basketball at a high level. How are we doing today, Donovan? Doing good, doing good. We will start tonight's special episode with a brief two-minute drill starting with analysis on Monday night's Vikings versus Bears football game. What are our thoughts on the Vikings defeating the Bears 19-13? I'm only impressed in the sense that for defense for the first month of the season, looked like one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in my life, especially by Vikings standards where Mike Zimmer, no matter how good the, te- the team is, they always play good defense and they always compete and for them to, you know, the last four weeks to play solid on defense, uh, you held the Bears at 13 points, uh, pretty much didn't yeah, didn't let their offense score at all. They only gave up 140-something yards. I'm not saying a lot because the Bears' offense is dreadful, but it's a starting point considering that their corners suck, like I said, for the first month. And now they actually look like the respectable football team that they should have been in the first month of the season. So it's not great, but four and five is a starting point when Kirk Cousins had to win a Monday night football game and didn't get much help from Dalvin Cook into the fourth quarter. Yeah, going off of that, I would agree. I think it is a good starting point, but um, they were playing against the Bears team with I mean, a David Montgomery, who's the focal point of that offense, who was out. But like you said, I mean, the defense was absolutely swarming. Nick Foles had no time to throw. Um, receivers were covered. It, it was good. They had, a, I remember, one key third down in the fourth quarter. Zimmer threw a nice little deception where um, Harrison Smith dropped back when um, Nick Foles thought they were going to blitz. So I thought um, their scheme was what was uh, was really good. Um, however, I will say the Bears are looking terrible. They scored 13, yes, but, I mean, seven of those came from Cordell Patterson on that kick return touchdown. So, I mean, realistically, they put up six points on the board on offense. So, they're going to have some things to fix. Maybe it's benching Nick Foles. I'm not going to sit up here and act like Nick Foles is the entire problem with that offense. I mean, even when David Montgomery is playing, that running game is dreadful. To call him the focal point of the offense is very generous. Allen Robinson is the only good person in the passing game. The O-line is atrocious. I mean, they have so many needs on the offensive end that they haven't fulfilled that they may have to let some of their guys on defense go. Yeah. Because their offense is that bad. I would agree, Brandon, but I will say that um, their scheme as of right now, they need some type of mobile-like quarterback and Trubisky is a more mobile quarterback than Nick Foles. Now, is but he's still not mobile. Yeah, but I mean he's more. So I think that, I think he would fit that scheme better. Now, will that make a difference? Will they win more games? Probably not. But I think they. I think that Trubisky would be a better option currently with what they have, giving that dreadful offensive line. Yeah, I would have to agree on that. On the money. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But moving on to college basketball, Greg Marshall resigns as the coach of the Wichita State Shockers. It was about time. Um, it, was, it, it was about time. 
I mean, he he was on, I forget who coached Indiana, but like Bob Knight, knew what yeah. company. But yeah, the what he was doing and what we heard that he was doing was not cool by any measure. And any coach should have been doing that. And I mean, like I said, we had Bob Knight who got reprimanded for that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Like however long ago it was. And for to have someone like that, that is a high profile coach, like Greg Marshall isn't a scrub coach. Like he's a pretty high profile coach getting big money from a mid-major school. Can't be doing that type of stuff. It's gonna hurt their program. Hopefully they get a better coach, one on the court and off the court. And I'm glad that he resigned. That way they didn't have to force him out. Yeah, I mean, what Marshall did was an embarrassment to the Wichita State program. The only reason they didn't can him themselves was because they were launching an investigation because he's done so much for their program and they'll never be the same without him. But at a certain point, you got to draw the the ethical line and enough is enough. Similar with what happened with Louisville getting rid of uh, Rick Pitino. And you just gotta cut your losses and move on. Yeah, I, I'm adding on to that. Um, I will say it's tough to see um, Wichita State uh, basketball program gonna be taking a little bit of a hit. Their um, March Madness runs are always really exciting. So um, having a coach with that pedigree leaving uh, will definitely hurt the program, at least in the short term. But um, hopefully they'll find a coach that will get the program back to where it needs to be um, within the next few years. So. Moving on to the NBA, there was a trade frenzy the past couple days. Dennis Schroeder is most likely being dealt to the Lakers in a trade agreed to principle. Chris Paul was dealt to the Suns with Kelly Oubre and a few other players being sent to the Thunder along with a 2022 first round pick. And Drew Holiday goes to the Milwaukee Bucks with George Hill going to the Pelicans. And then you also had Bogdan Bogdanovich heading to the Bucks as well. How about that Thunder squad is what I have to say. The Thunder are looking promising. With Shai Gilgis leading that team, I see them being a top six, maybe perhaps five team in the West. Shai Gilgis, Hamidou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, now Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio with some leadership, Nurse Noel, um, Jalen LeCue, perhaps the two-way player. They have tons and tons and tons of young talent. Now, I don't forget Lou Dort. Lou Dort as well. Lou Dort. I I understand. You guys are Arizona State alums, so for, can't forget about Lou Dort. I mean, he great, clamped great, up great, hard great. for most of yeah. that series and almost won in the series and had 30 in Game 7. Sure. Lou, Lou Dort as well, yes. And I think, yeah, I think that's that squad, give them a year or two with those draft picks as well. Um, They're going to be a force to be reckoned with for the next decade, perhaps. The GM is doing great things over there. We joking, right? 
like that that was a deal for the future. That, that team is going to be dreadful next year. I mean, Shake and Ball, obviously, I know I went to school with him at Kentucky, but unless they're going to like deal those draft picks, Harden's, Katie's, Westbrook's, they don't grow on trees. They drafted them almost a decade ago. And They've had some decent players, but to expect those type of talents that you're going to just have stay there like those guys did for almost a decade in KD and a decade plus in Russell Westbrook, that's not going to be something that's easy to expect. Plus, you got to look at the fact that no shade to Sam Presti, even though he's made a lot of great moves, you're telling me all these things that he's done and he still has zero rings to show for it. Which is saying a lot, considering it'd be one thing if he had like the best player he's ever had was like a like a mid-level five, six star time all-star. I'm not gonna name any guys out of you know respect. But you had three MVPs all on the same team. And then you got rid of one of them, and then you couldn't win with the two that you had. And then you consistently put players around them that can't space the floor and have our complete offensive liabilities. Well, he's making moves at this point that will benefit them long term. Before, I can't speak, you can't realistically, Harden at the time he was playing OKC, yes, he's putting up points off the bench, yes. But was he, did he, was he an MVP caliber player while at OKC? No. And he was also a product of um, the start of the super team era. So OKC, yes, they had Russell Westbrook. Yes, they had KD. But when you're going uh, going up against um, the Miami Heat with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, then yeah, you you you're probably going to lose that series. I, I think it's un, I think it's a little bit unfair to put the blame on on the GM. I think he has made great moves and has consistently shown that he is the best GM in the league. Period. That's that he's far from the best GM in the league. All right, so who's the best GM in the league? Pat Riley. Pat Riley flipped whatever they had in uh Miami the last couple years for Jimmy Butler. Got multiple guys around them that they found and Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, and now that team went to the finals because they were in salary cap hell. They had James Johnson on the way to, on a yep. bad contract. They had Deion yep. Waiters on a bad contract, and yep. the only other guy that I know that can flip something out of nothing has been Danny Ainge when he turned whatever he sent, you know, to Brooklyn and Paul Pearson, KG into the team that they have now. So that's like a very short list of guys that can flip that bad of a situation and make them a good team. Absolutely, but you can't discredit what um, what Sam Presti has done for the Thunder, who are in an absolutely dreadful market. You're exactly. not going to go out and get big free agents. I'm who not saying the hell that. wants to go to Oklahoma City. I'm who in their right that. mind wants to live in Oklahoma City? I'm not saying that he's a bad GM, but I'm saying let's pump the brakes on the praise, considering like he he's not like. He deserves some blame in this situation. It doesn't cost a lot to get a shooter when you have athletes already on your team. They consistently get guys on their team that play defense and have no offensive skills whatsoever. Look yeah. at their team this year. They couldn't shoot. That's another reason why they lost. Yeah. 
So I mean, yeah, I mean, this he's the one team. that's building the team. I mean, you can put it on Scott Brooks for whatever happened against Miami when they didn't win, as far as scheme wise, because they got to the yeah. finals. But yeah. you're telling me you had those two guys for a decade, and you couldn't put competent guys around them. That way, KD wasn't the only person in the starting lineup every year that could shoot the ball. Why you think he left the Golden State? Just saying. Hmm. No, I, I I understand that point, but it's hard to argue that Presti is not a top five GM. Correct me if I'm wrong, but every single year they've been in Oklahoma City, they've made the playoffs. Even last year when it was supposed to be a team that was rebuilding. Granted, they everyone thought that they were going to trade Chris Paul before the season started, but that was not a team that was supposed to be a five seed in the West and almost beat the Rockets in the first round. I wouldn't say top five. I would say top ten. Yeah, exactly. He's a good GM, but like, so, like I, I'm just saying I don't want to give him too much credit considering what he was able to get as a, as a luxury that other teams weren't able to get. He's, he's, he's borderline top five. But moving on to the NBA draft, when we look at the best available, uh, what guys pop out and do you think will go much higher, much lower, or right around their projection? Uh, honestly, outside of the top three, the rest of the draft is like shooting dice. I mean, LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and... Wiseman, you can really just shuffle them however you want, depending on, you know, what the team feels like they need at that spot. After that, it's like I said, it's a literal crapshoot because I don't I don't think that there will be a lot of bad players in this draft, but I think this is a draft that, you know, has a higher floor than it has a higher ceiling. So like they have a lot of guys that will be, you know, decent players playing the league for a while. You know, be some starters, but I don't think there's a lot of, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russells or Devin Booker's, Donovan Mitchell's in the draft. Like it's a it's a better draft than what people thought it was gonna be, you know, coming into the season. But outside of top three, you you really just gotta get lucky. I completely disagree. I think this draft has superstars. I think they're not where people are looking, though. I will say the top three are clearly the three best prospects. I agree on that part. But I think, like, uh, a, a player like Isaac Okoro sitting at the seventh prospect, he could be a player that could be an instant impact player and be really good for any squad. Super athletic, um, can play, uh, can guard a lot of positions, great in transition. Um, that's a player to look out for, as well as Kyra Lewis Jr. I think he will be a star. If he can slip to a squad like the Celtics, who are looking for a young point guard, perhaps backing up Kemba Walker or whatever ends up happening with that point guard position, Kyra Lewis Jr. from Alabama um, was there for two years, went there, he enrolled, I believe, at 16 years old. So he's going to be one of the youngest players in the draft and um, two years under his belt at the D1 level. So I think and I think he's really slick guard. I think he could um, really produce for any team. And as well as um, an older guy, I think Obi Toppin, um, I think he should not be overlooked. I think 
he will also be a really high quality player. Um, like I said, I think there's a whole lot of talent. Um, we'll, we'll, I think we're going to get something like a Giannis um, where it's going to take a few years. Um, but I think we look at this draft five years down the road, maybe 10 years down the road, and we're going to say, wow, there's six, seven stars, six, seven, eight superstars, or not superstars, excuse me, all-stars. And um, we really missed out. I think, um, yeah, I think if, if, you're a, if you're an NBA team, if you're sitting at four, I'm trying to get to the middle. I'm trying to sit at that like 14 to 20 range. I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the stars end up going um, in this year's draft. I don't know about 14 through 20, but I'd say there's going to be a good amount of uh, surprising prospects, probably between five and 15. You know, obviously you got Edwards, Ball, and Wiseman, which I will think, which I think will all be solid players in the league. But, you know, you got some pretty underrated guys. I could see Obi Toppin becoming a Blake Griffin type of player. I could see Isaac Okoru becoming a Paul George in the regular season type of player. I could see Precious Achua becoming, I mean, a solid player in the league. I wouldn't say a perennial all-star or anything, but he can be a solid starter in the league. Uh, I, I think Tyrese Maxey has a lot of potential. Cole Anthony at number 19 is very low. He, he, he's a guy who's showed a lot of potential. He's just got to stay out there and stay healthy. And, you know, a guy that not that many people are talking about is ranked at number 11 in ESPN is Devin Vassell. This dude can flat out play. So... There's a lot of guys to look out for. I don't know a lot about the international guys because I don't watch French or Israeli professional basketball, but out of the college guys, um, those are the main guys I'm looking out for. I haven't seen much of Tyrese Halliburton just because Iowa State's not that creative a team, so I didn't get to watch a lot of them, but... He was hurt early on, too. That's, that's what I've heard as well, but... You know, Iowa State has produced some pretty decent basketball players, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him succeed as well. I, I will say I watched a little bit. Um, well, I actually watched um, a lot of Killian Hayes um, as well as Halliburton, and I will say I think Halliburton sitting at, what is that, the number eight prospect? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't see it. Um, a lot of people are high on, are high on this guy. I don't see him being uh, even a decent point guard. I think there are three, four guys behind him that will do better. I think Killian Hayes, Kyra Lewis Jr., the one I talked about before from um, from Alabama, um, as well as well as Cole Anthony, are much better prospects. Um, I think his height and length will um, add um, add something. That's what maybe GMs are seeing, but. Um, for me, I, I don't see him being anything special, um, and his and his draft stock should be significantly lower. I mean, I never get what prospects seeing certain guys, but you never know. I mean, it's really a crapshoot, especially in this draft. But I think in any draft, just if you want to be realistic, it's all about where they land and the fit, because you can be, you know, a guy with potential, and you go to a team where you never play and you're stuck at the end of the bench and it takes you longer than you would have if you went to, let's say, Atlanta or like 
Minnesota or wherever where you can play immediately and kind of learn through your mistakes and stuff. Everyone can't be like a Tyler Hero and go to a solid team where he can kind of, you know, slowly grow into his role. You know, some people have to be like a cat or Anthony Davis and they got to just figure it out. So we'll see. You know, there's a, there's a few guys in the 20s and 30s that pop out to me. Tyler Bay from Colorado was a really good player in college. Will his skills translate to the NBA? That We'll see about that. Cassius Winston, the undersized point guard out of Michigan State, phenomenal college player. Will his skills transfer over? We will see. Malachi Flynn, the Wazoo transfer to San Diego State, had an outstanding year with the Aztecs, where they nearly made it through the whole season undefeated. You got Zeke Naji out of Arizona, who I think is the best out of those Arizona freshman prospects. He led the team in points and rebounds, and almost carried Arizona to beat Arizona State the second time they played. You got Daniel O'Toole, who led the Big Ten in rebounds for Minnesota. You know, Minnesota was, was one of the two teams that was not very good in the Big Ten in a very deep league, so I think he was a victim of not getting much attention playing for Minnesota. Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon, pretty old guy, but, you know, he was consistent, and he was the Bob Cousy Award winner, best point guard in college basketball. And then lastly, you got Jordan Noir. You know, he was a guy for Louisville that was hit or miss. So he's got some things he's got to develop in his game. He's already 20 or 21, correct me if I'm wrong. So he's not as young as some of these guys. That's probably why you're going to see him go mid to late second round. You've got a lot more quality guys in the second round than you do in normal drafts, but the lottery is looking a little more empty than normal drafts. But moving on, who do you guys have going in your top 10 and in what order? Lamar, you can start. I'm going to just go like this, Will. My top three is fairly easy for me. Anthony Edwards, I got at one. At two, I had James Wiseman. At three, I got LaMelo. At four, I honestly don't know what the Bulls want. I'ma say Denny from Israel because everyone has been talking highly of him and maybe they want to pair him with Lori. That would be a weird fit, but they just might take him just because of everyone likes him. Uh, at five, at five, I'll say Obi. Mm. Yeah, at five, I'll say Obi Toppin because Obi would be a good fit considering you know how they like. Uh, they need a big down low, and how gifted he is, I think he'll make an immediate impact. At six, I'm gonna go with Oneka Kongu. I think he has a lot of defensive versatility, doesn't really need the ball, great fit for Atlanta, and what Atlanta wants to do. At seven, probably go with Isaac Okoro. I think he is another guy that has a high defensive ceiling. So a guy that's, I think he's like six seven, long wingspan, can guard multiple positions. I think that would be a great fit for any team. And I think he has a you know a high upside. I think eight, nine, ten 
really comes down to, you know, Halliburton, Williams. I mean, a lot of people like Williams, so it's hard to say. Mm, I'm going to go with Halliburton. I mean, with the Knicks, I mean, I feel like the Knicks need a point guard in general. I could see him possibly going there at nine. They might take Killian Hayes just so he can be a backup at point guard. They right now they've been talking about Russell Westbrook going to the Wizards over John Wall, like a trade for them. But who knows? But I think he'll be a good point guard backup. And at 10 with the Suns, Patrick Williams would be a, a solid fit because the Suns, you know, they could use another wing. They'll probably have him back up, you know, Bridges or Cam Johnson. Okay, so I'll go ahead and do my 10. Um, I think um, for me, I'm going to have faith in the Timberwolves um, and say that they pick Anthony Edwards one. That would be the much better option as they need another guard, yes, but um, I think um, D'Angelo Russell being the primary ball handler is best for them right now. And they need to have someone that can play on both sides of the uh, both ends of the court. So I'm going with Anthony Edwards at one. And then at two, assuming the Warriors keep their pick, it's a clear James Wiseman. There's no other options for that. Um, at three, I have the Hornets picking Lamelo for obvious reasons. Um, they need um, well at first and foremost they need butts and seats, and then as well as they need um, playmakers on their squad. So I think Lamelo at three would be a good fit. And then um, the Bulls at four, um, Danny um, or Danny Abija. Um, forgive me if I'm saying that wrong. Um, I think he he's a great prospect um, in the Israeli league. He's um, performed at a high level, um, won championships, a proven player. So I think that would be a solid add. Um, and then at five, I have Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin would um, be an um, instant impact player for the Cavs. Add some relief that Kevin Love was pretty, I mean, he was solid for the Cavs, but um, he's getting older. So I think uh, another front court ad would be solid, uh, solid pick for them. And then at six, um, the Hawks, I think, should pick Onyeke Ukongwu um, from USC. He would add depth, um, paired up with John Collins, that'd be a great add. Um, so I think that would be the best option there. Um, for seven for the Pistons, I'm gonna go Killian Hayes. Um, the French point guard, I think, would um, provide good playmaking. Um, but I say the Pistons should trade up to get their hands on LaMelo Ball. I think um, LaMelo could be someone that could really, um, you know, um, build around. So I think um, trading up would be the best option. But if they want to keep the seventh pick, I think um, Killian Hayes is where they need to go. Um, a lot of experts think that Halliburton's going to go there, but I, I would like to see Killian Hayes. Um, with eight, um, I'm going to go with um, Devin Vassell. I think he he's just an instant impact player for the Knicks, and they need just solid players. They need dudes that can put the ball in a basket and be um, just solid players, and I think uh, he could do that for the Knicks. Um, at nine, um, I'm going to go Isaac Okoro. Um, he's a player that I think could be end up being the best player in the draft. Um, he's a wing. He kind uh, instant impact. Um, 
he could play he could play defense, he could play offense, but he has a really, really high motor with extreme athleticism. So I think um I think he's perhaps even the most athletic player in the draft. So I have him going at nine. Um wouldn't be shocked if they even got maybe Halliburton here or wanted to grab Kyra Lewis Jr. Um however Kyra Lewis Jr. could slip his level fourteen. Um, and then for 10, well, with the trade of um, CP3, I think they're looking for instant players. So I think Sadiq Bey um, will fit in nicely at the 10, um, 10 spot. So they need they need a front court. They already have wings. I mean, Lamar, you said that they could use another wing. But, I mean, you've already spent draft picks on Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. True. At true, some true, at some true. point, you're going to have to get some uh, from some front court. DeAndre Ayton's a great player, but, you know, another another – Small four power four player, um, I think would uh, would be would be beneficial. So uh, I think uh, that's that's the direction that the Suns will go in. Uh, and then I'll have I have Patrick Williams slipping to eleven to the Spurs. So yeah, I'm gonna make mine quickly. Uh, I got the Timberwolves taking Anthony Edwards as the first pick of the draft. I got the Warriors following that up with James Wiseman. Um, those are both filling needs that each team that each team needs. So those are the two most logical picks. I got the Hornets trading with the Pistons, getting a 2021 first round pick and the seventh pick of this year. And the Pistons select Lamella Ball. I got the Bulls taking Denny, whatever his name is, the kid from Serbia. I got the Cavs. The Cavs, that's going to be a more of a hard pick to predict. Um, I would not be surprised to actually see the Cavs go with Onyeka Nkongwu, but I'm going to say they take Obi Toppin. I think in terms of their position needs, that is the most logical pick for the Cavs at five. And then at six, I'm going to say that the Hawks go with Nyeko Okonwu to help out John Collins down low with the seventh pick. After the trade, the Hornets take Isaac Okuru at number eight. Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State. Donovan criticized a lot, but you know, the Knicks tend to make picks that a lot of people love without much reason to love so I would not be surprised to see them take Tyrese Halliburton at number eight and at number nine I think the Wizards get a point guard to play behind either Westbrook or John Wall depending on what happens with that trade and I think they take Killian Hayes at nine and at number ten I think the Suns get some help for DeAndre Ayton down low and take Prestachua at number 10. So moving on, Lamar, who is on your burner this week? Uh, my burner is Irony because I already mentioned him and he is the godfather for the Heat. Uh, uh, you know, fire pun. But I've been hearing all these trade talks and if you can do it. Don't get rid of Hero or Robinson. But you need to add to the team somehow, some way. But but don't tank it for 2021. 
when everybody and their mama's mama, that's their grandma, would want to come to Miami. But you got to make some type of move, some addition to make the team better. Because everyone in the East would trade their left and their right tube sock and a, a pecan pie in order to get whoever it seems like right now. So this trade room is getting crazy. So Godfather and Godfather we trust, handle that. Donovan, who do you have in your burner? Kelly Oubre. Now this trade I talked about earlier, he will thrive on the Thunder. His length and scoring ability in transition as well as one-on-one ability in the half court will do wonders with that squad. I think him with Shai Gilchrist-Alexander, Hamdi Diallo, he will be superb. That is my boom of the week. I was stoked to hear about Uber being traded, and I think I'll be buying a OKC Kelly Uber jersey. On my burner, I got the Phoenix Suns. I'm challenging you guys to be at least a six seed or better. You haven't made the playoffs in I don't know how long, probably since Steve Nash retired, to be honest. You have redefined over the you have redefined over the past decade. I challenge you to go out and make the playoffs and pull off a first round upset against the Los and the three seeded Los Angeles Clippers. I don't think they can do much better than that. They will get clobbered by either the Lakers or Nuggets if they make it to the second round, and that will be that. But I really didn't like this trade for the Suns. I don't know what their plan was by doing this. I guess maybe a last second hope to keep Devin Booker and make the fans happy by making the playoffs for once. But in terms of chasing championships, um, I mean, the, the move wasn't to chase championships. I think, I think I'm like the only one outside of hardcore Phoenix Suns fans that are saying the reason why they did this. The reason was to win now. Like potential and draft picks are a good and dandy, but after a while, like it means nothing if wins aren't getting put on the board. They've been awful for a decade, pretty much. The most exciting thing for Phoenix in the last decade happened in the bubble. So yeah. nothing against Kelly Oubre, but in all fairness, I seen a similar situation with a a young promising forward named Otto Porter that Washington threw the biggie bag to and it cap strapped them for a good grip. Now, you get Chris Paul who makes everyone around him better. He's been to the playoffs 10 straight years. You saw what he did with James Harden. Look what he can do with Devin Booker. Look what he can do with DeAndre Aiden. And I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Booker leads the league in scoring this year, to be honest. Just because he won't have to dribble the ball every second. And he's already efficient scorer, averaging 26, 27 in his sleep. 30 ain't gonna be nothing with Chris Paul. So you pair that, 2021 and 2022 gonna have crazy free agency classes. Even Chris Paul comes off your books. So even if you wanna re-sign him, you can re-sign him for the low just to be another stopgap for another year or two. So it's only magnif- magnifies their, their ceiling because the young guys are going to get better. They better floor general. They want to have more floor spacing. 
All they got to do is make some good deals in free agency and sign some decent vets on the bench, and they'll be fine. All I got to say is that Chris Paul trade was to put butts in seats. It's as simple as that. But that is all we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk About Sports Podcast. Keep monitoring our Instagram and Twitter accounts for new content as we keep trying to diversify what we produce. And season three will continue to be pre-released right here on our podcast site. Season one and two and the first six episodes of season three remain available on Anchor FM, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Radio Public, and fan favorite Apple Podcasts. The link to listen on any of these platforms is going to this page. Our NBA draft summary episode will be up and available within a few days after the conclusion of tomorrow's NBA draft. Be sure to like, subscribe, drop a rating, and share with your friends on your favorite platform.